MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome into Odds On. It is Championship Monday. I'm seated next to my partner, Amal Shaw. We've got one of our favorite guests, our friend Ian Eagles, joined the program in 30 minutes. We'll talk about tonight's national championship game as well as his New Jersey Nets and their prospects as the NBA playoffs approach. We'll continue and finish our preview of the different divisions of baseball. We've got the AL West today, Amal. But first, ding dong, the rat is dead. What a great, great Final Four weekend. The rodent finally got killed off. And by the way, in typical rodent style, Throws Mark Williams right under the bus in the post-game press conference. You know, if we made free throws, Mark Williams down the street. Really? This is what this guy wants to be known for? I am so happy he is gone. And maybe he can take that number one ball licker himself, John Feinstein, with him. Oh, my God. I can't. I, you know what, Mike? I have never met a coach that more people want to lose. I didn't see anybody that was happy or was pulling for Duke to win and happy they got to the Final Four. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine about this over the weekend. I said, you know, with Alabama, there's not the disdain for them in football because people respect Saban. I think Saban obviously is the greatest coach in the history of college football. I love the way his program operates. They're unbelievable. I've always said I don't have anything against the Duke players. Battier is one of my favorite players of all time. I thought Williams was unbelievable. Grant Hill, an all-time favorite of mine. But the thing is, this guy, and perfect example, he solidified the prick that he is after the game and he loses. We know Mark Williams missed the shots. And I said to somebody, I said, listen, he's not making both of them. I don't care that he's 70%. He's a big man at the free throw line. This is a nerve-wracking situation. 
and he failed, and I love the fact that he's gone. I didn't talk about this during the game, but what do you think of the fact that he used all of his second half timeouts right after they scored during runs of play that there was no reason to call a timeout? Well, he went full Ben Howland, right? Let's use all our timeouts up, make sure we don't have any left in a clutch situation. <laughs> and by the way, John Shire was apoplectic because they weren't fouling quick enough, yeah. which he was correct on. And twice, you said Mr. 86% and tournament MVP if Carolina wins this one. Caleb Love to the free throw line. All right, let's talk about the first game first, yeah. which I thought was over 10 nothing in. Uh, poor Jay Wright, just outmanned against this Kansas team. They're down 19 in the first half. I thought this could be a 40-point blowout, a la what happened to Lon Kruger with his Oklahoma team in the Final Four. But give them credit. They battled their way back to within six in the second half. Yeah, but I, I want to give them a ton of credit for that, but i got to give KU a, a mm. tremendous amount of credit. When they got cut to six, this team just answered the bell every time. Abaji, Brown, these guys were terrific. They would get, what, three points out of Remy Martin, who only plays about 21 minutes. I was just so impressed. How about David McCormick? Nobody's talking about him and the job he did. He was outstanding. I thought they did a tremendous job of getting clean looks. And I got to tip my hat to Obaji. He goes four for four in the first half in the three-point line. But that's not why. So many guys we saw. Caleb Love do it in the game on Saturday night. I saw LeBrick do it on Friday night against New Orleans. Everybody wants to take a heat check shot. Obaji never did that. He played within the flow of the offense, and that is why Kansas is 40 minutes from cutting down the nets. So much for this shooting background in the Superdome. Both games go over. Well, no, look, I think that here's the thing I would make the argument of. you got to see how guys get uh, adjusted to it. Is it an issue? They didn't have any concerns there at all. Both teams really shot. Uh, in both games, they shot the ball well. All right, let's get to the championship game tonight. Number opens. The look ahead we talked about on Friday was three or three and a half. Number opens four, touched four and a half in some spots. Kansas sits right now, painted across the board, lane four um, all, with a total uh, of 152 ticked down to 151 and a half right now. Your initial thoughts on the game? Well, I, listen, I have a play on this game coming up, um, but I'm going to tell you, I think this number is right where it should be. I think it's going to be a terrific game. I think it could go either way. I think there's compelling arguments for Carolina and, of course, for KU. My one concern from a Carolina perspective is this. That was probably the most emotional game Carolina basketball has played outside of a national championship game. And it reminded me a little bit of the game against Michigan in 93, where it was just back and forth, down to the wire until the timeout, and Donald Williams hits the free throws and everything, and they pull ahead. But I thought both teams did a tremendous job of answering every time. We saw the three-point shots back and forth. Manic hit the one from the corner. It was one of those old, no, 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 yes. You know, it was really unbelievable. I thought both teams... What I really, and Kenny Smith made a great point. He goes, I didn't want anybody for Carolina to be a GOAT, and I don't think anybody yeah. was in this game. I thought Carolina won it. I didn't think Duke lost the game. Although Coach K was quick to make Mark Williams the, the GOAT. He's a prick. What yeah. do you expect? I thought he should, this, he should call himself the Rose. This was the obviously biggest game in the rivalry, Duke-Carolina. I thought the 1990 or 89 ACC final where they met, where they had the bad blood that year because Dean had called out the Cameron Crazies for those signs J.R. can't read. Yeah. And he went out and publicly said J.R. Reed and Scott Williams had higher SAT scores than Leitner. Uh, than Leitner. Yeah, yeah. Then, then Leitner or Hurley, he pointed that out, and there was such bad blood with him and Kay. And then that was a bloodbath in that championship game. I think, I think there were 36 fouls in that game. Coach K yelled at Dean, quit coaching my players. And Dean Smith said, well, somebody has to. You aren't. I mean, it was <laughs> that was the height, the height, really, of their rivalry. My first question, if we were to have four burning questions, was in less than 48 hours, can they recover from that emotional high of beating their arch rival and ending Krzyzewski's career to get back up and play 
what will have to be their best game of the year to beat Kansas. I, I would agree with you there. I can tell you one thing. I'm still high on the Carolina win, and I have nothing to do with that. I don't even have a play on the game. I mean, this is my favorite win for a non-Ohio State sporting event and that I didn't make a wager on ever. I mean, to see the rat go away into the trial. By the way, how about the wife walking down, giving the fives like it was already over, like they were up 20? I was thinking, are you watching a replay of the KU game? Because I'm not. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about uh, player props here. Okay, uh, let's start off on the Kansas side of the ledger. Uh, Agbaji, Agbaji, um, total total points here. 17, 16, 16 and a half. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you look towards the over. Uh, he has been outstanding. He's a closer for this team, makes free throws. We know he can shoot the three-point shot. It's going to be interesting to see who's on him, though, because uh, you could put potentially Leaky Black on him. It would be very difficult for him to score. Um, it, the matchups are going to be interesting here. He is the favorite, obviously, to win the most outstanding player off the performance on Saturday. Plus 110 at BetMGM, plus 120 at DraftKings, plus 140 at points bets. Is there any way another Kansas player gets the most outstanding if they win. David McCormick. All right, he's 12 to 1 or 15 to 1 you can find at DraftKings. I, I, have you ever seen a player have the performance he had on Saturday? He goes 10 for 12, Mike, for 25, mm -hmm. 9. Nobody's even talking about him. It's like he didn't even play in the game. He's at 10 and a half points tonight over under, 7 and a half rebounds and a half assist. I am a little bit concerned with his matchup against Bay Cup, but... Uh, if you're looking at it from a Carolina perspective, don't you have to be concerned about Baycott's ankle? I think this could be a problem here. Well, that, that's obviously an issue. He's got to play major minutes. You know if he doesn't twist his ankle there with a couple minutes to play, they would not have substituted it all in the second half. Correct. Puff Johnson got in for 30 seconds. That was the only bench time for Carolina. You have to, you know, listen, you have to give Puff Johnson a ton of credit, right? He knocks down two free throws, Huge. hasn't taken a Huge. shot. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> First one was a little bit iffy, yeah. and then the second one you could tell he was good. This is a big-time player. Big recruit for them, and uh, did a nice job. Uh, I think the key to the game for Kansas tonight is something we haven't men mentioned. It's Braun. His over-under, 12.5 points, 6.5 rebounds. Yeah, Christian Braun's got to shoot the yeah. ball well. If he can do that, I think they got a great chance. Very athletic. Gets out on the floor on the wing. You know, he, he's deceptive in terms of his leaping ability, but he, he can throw you on a poster very quickly. Uh, I Mike, I looked at this prop, and my problem with Brown is that he's a little bit inconsistent. But I think he's got to get over this total if KU's going to win. They need their – look, again, McCormick's got to play well, but he doesn't have to have a high-scoring game. It's got to be Obagi. To me, it's got to be Brown and then Wilson or uh, Martin or the other two guys for me. Uh, let's look at the North Carolina side of it here. Caleb Love over under points, 17 and a half. Well, the way he's going right now, don't you think you have to look over? College is a little bit different than the NBA uh, where you know guys in the pros are going to score just a lot easier. But I think Love, the way he's shooting and the confidence, oh, my God. Brady Manick, 16 and a half points, six and a half rebounds. Mike, I saw this one today at 17. I almost played this under. Um, I, I know Manick is terrific, but I feel like you let Love get his 30. But if you can slow down Manick, I think you can slow down Carolina. R.J. Davis, 14 and a half. I, I think that number's right. I think he's right in that 12 to 17 range. No prop up on Baycott. What would you set his rebounds at if, he was, if, if you knew he was going to play the whole game? Eight and a half. Yeah. I'd go over. Not, this, guy, not, this guy's dominating. He's I dominating, mean, but McCormick's a handful. I, I he's, not, he's not. Look, I remember Mark Williams didn't play in that first half, right? He was in Theo John. I mean, he's a fouling machine. Yep. There, there was a reason why Marquette was more than happy to let him walk away. But um, I, I don't think it'll be as easy for him. Okay. How about this prop? Carolina to win by six or more is plus 290. Kansas to win by six or more is plus 110. 
or either team winning by five or less is plus 160 on a three-way market there. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. Um, don't have an Kansas overwhelming... by six or more is only plus 110. I would not take that. No, I, I yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. That's one. It'd be Too minus short. 110 at four. Hi, here's a prop from Boyd, uh, very popular amongst the uh, control room here, the Boyd app. Uh, highest scoring player, Abaji and Manic, co-favorites at plus 380. Caleb Love, plus 450. Baycott, plus 550. Forget that one for me. Uh, Davis plus nine dollars, Braun eleven to one, Remy Martin eleven to one, and your guy McCormick thirteen to one for highest scoring player in the championship game. Uh, I would go with Caleb Love. I think at plus four fifty. By the way, I got to am- amend that statement on uh, Baycott on the uh, rebound total. I didn't realize against St. Peter's he had twenty two. Twenty two, and then what do you have against Duke? He had twenty one. Yeah, uh, which is more incredible, the twenty one against Duke to me. Well, without question, St. Peter's doesn't have anybody over six. You, you might get ten against St. Peter's. Probably not. Probably, probably not. Can uh, Carolina playing a very short rotation, mostly just five guys, handle this transition game of Kansas? I think that's the key to the game tonight. I think the transition game of Kansas is what's going to help them cut down the nets. I think their their depth. And their ability to get out and go. For years, we talked, and Roy Williams wanted to run, 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 play as fast as you could. Dean yeah. Smith. Uh, Created the secondary break where you hit Joe Wolf at the top of the key if you didn't get the layup. And now tonight, Carolina's going to try to slow this game down. They're not going to slow it down. I think they will. I don't think they want to run with Kansas. <laughs> they're not slowing anything I'm not down. saying they're going like to half court. Where are all those people that told me they're slowing it down, Villanova? How did that one work out for you? Want more betting insights to give you an edge? Check out VEASAN's Best Bets podcast. You can listen to daily sports betting highlights from the entire 24-7 stream of VEASAN experts tracking line moves, odds, props, wins, losses, and bad beats from sportsbooks in Vegas and across the country. Download the VEASAN Best Bets podcast now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Up next, the AL West. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 Challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zen 10 challenge today at zen.com slash 10. That's zyn.com slash 10. Zen nicotine pouches are only for adults 21 plus who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On on Championship Monday. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. And the final Major League Baseball division we haven't previewed is today. It's the AL West Amal, and we start where we should with the Houston Astros. Astros favored to win the division, Amal minus 175, a $4 favorite to make the playoffs, plus 310 on the no price. Over, under wins for the Angels, 91 and a half. And my question would be, is the rotation deep enough and is 7, 8, 9 in their lineup good enough for them to win this many games and the AL West? I think the answer you have to both is yes. I would agree with you. I think you look at this division, you have some concerns here. The top of the lineup is still so effective. Altuve, Brantley, Bregman. I like Giordano. I mean, Jordan Alvarez as well. Not what? as big of a Yuli Gurriel guy. Maybe about Tucker? What do you think about Tucker? I think he's yeah. solid, yeah. especially batting sixth in that yeah. lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's pretty good. Um, I like Framber Valdez. I think he's very solid. 
Uh, Presley on the back end. I like the acquisition of Odorizzi. I think as a number five, he gives you a ton. Mike, who's their competition in this division, barring injury for the Strohs? There's nobody. The division is very weak. This is one of these things where I'd put together a prop like we did in the NFL. Remember, we put the three division winners together in a a three-way prop to get a plus price on the negative. I think you can do that here. I think you do it in, in... in baseball, you do three divisions. You go Dodgers, Brewers, Astros, and make a three-team parlay to win their divisions. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I, I think those three teams are the ones that are going to win it fairly clearly and comfortably. I, I think that's pretty good. Well, you're going to get a plus prize. I mean, the Dodgers are heavy favorites, but Astros at $1.75. You can find the Brewers still in some places around 150 so it's definitely a plus price here. Uh, all right, let's get to the next team now. Interesting here is that there's co-second choice here. And both the Angels and the Mariners listed at 83 and a half wins. The Angels slightly favored to win the division, plus $4 compared to the Mariners, plus 450 and plus 140 to make the playoffs for the Angels compared to plus 175 for the Rangers. So let's take a look there. The Angels, you start and end with Otani. Uh, Trout second in that lineup. Anthony Rendon hitting fourth. They are one, two, three, four, very solid. But after Otani, how much are you going to get from Syndergaard? And then after that, there's not much else in the rotation. Well, look, I still love the line, uh, signing of Syndergaard. I think mm-hmm. they got him on a one-year, what, $11 million deal with bonuses and other things that are uh, incentives for him. I think he's capable of bouncing back and pitching well. I never – look, I was never on the train that thought Syndergaard was better than DeGrom. And to me, I think he's a good pitcher. I think he could be a good number three potentially if he pitches extremely well and number two for you there. But I like this uh, rotation at the top here in terms of what they could potentially be with Otani and him. I think they can be dangerous. Um, Mike, they're 2-3-4 or 1-2-3, however you want to situate it, between Trout, Otani, and Rendon. God, I love these three guys. I I thought Anthony Rendon was one of the most underrated offensive players in Washington. Uh, This team's going to be dangerous at the top. The problem is, defensively, what do they have? What are they going to be? Where's the back end of the lineup? Where's the consistency from the pitching? Where's the depth to the pitching after after Otani and Syndergaard? Sandoval, Suarez, Lorenzo. And how many starts do you think Otani will have? Uh, that's the big question. I like Iglesias on the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Myers and Tapura, they, they saw, yeah, their bullpen's been bad for years. I think they got better in the bullpen. Um, but I don't see how they compete with the Astros. All right, let's flip the page to the Mariners. Frazier at the top of the lineup. They pick up Winker. Um, from the Reds, you still have Hanniger in there, Eugenio Suarez, J.P. Crawford. Big acquisition is the reigning AL Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray, to go along with Marco Gonzalez. Watch out for the kid Logan Gilbert. I don't know if this sophomore season will be his breakout year, but I think this guy wins 15 games here in the next few years. Oh, it's definitely a possibility. He's going to have a, uh, a strong season here. Um, I think Hanniger was a bit of an aberration. 39 bombs last year. I don't think that's the norm. I'm a little bit concerned about him in terms of what he's able to do. Uh I don't mind the Suarez pickup. I think it's pretty good when you look at him potentially batting sixth in that lineup there. I think that can be very effective. You mentioned Robbie Ray. I like him a lot. You and I both have been high on him. But what about the Mariners to win the division? People are talking about that. I just don't see them being better than the Astros over 162. Well, they're not. They're not. I mean, the Astros are winning. There's another bet here that I want you to see if you find that I think is the best bet in the division. And it's not, it's not the Astros to win it. All right, let's move on to the Rangers. They're 15-1 to one to win the division, plus 650 to make the playoffs. I love Marcus Simeon. He's become a better and better defender. You get him at the top of the lineup. They get Seager hitting second, Mitch Garver third. John Gray is the ace of your staff. 
coming back back home, man. He's from Oklahoma. Close enough. Look, I, John Gray was the number three overall pick. I, I still think he can pitch better. He was at Coors. There's always a concern there in terms of— about his of, age? What old, is he now? About 30, probably. Is 20, that it? 28, no, 27, 28. Seems like he's older than that. Uh, listen, it's tough in Colorado to judge players. 30, right on the button. Uh, but, um, yeah. you know, to me, I don't know, this this thing. By the way, this 15-to-1 odds. Who made these odds? Uh, John Daniels? It's missing two zeros. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what I'm saying. I thought John Daniels made the odds. Uh, all right. A- A's. Let's talk about the A's. Okay. They just got, you like to pick up a Manaya for the uh, Padres yesterday? I do. Love it. Let's look at this A's lineup, Amal. Why? Anthony Kemp, Elvis Andrews, Sean Murphy as your three hitter, Seth Brown in the four hole, Jed Lowry, Piscotty, Thames, Smith, Pache, Frankie Montas, and then you go to Cole Irvin, and then you go to Dalton Jeffries, Blackburn, Caprillion. They're going to try with Trevino as their closer here. Lee or Lou? Lou. <laughs> Amal Shaw. Oakland A's. Over under 68 and a half wins is the best bet in this division. Under. Way under. Yeah. This number should be 58. I think this is a... Maybe this hasn't adjusted since the trade. This can't be. If you can find 68 and a half, this is a suitcase bet. <laughs> I like that if, line, If you can afford to tie up the money for five months. Listen, it's an investment. If, you, if yeah. you're going to make an investment at minus 110, it's pretty good, right, in terms of almost nearly doubling your money. I, I don't see how this team wins 69 games. They won 86 last year, which skews the number. But, look, they got rid of everyone. Chapman, Olsen, <laughs> uh, Manaya. I mean, this team, you lose those guys there. That, that's a huge blow. It's a tremendous blow here. Um, let's look at some of the matchups now. We didn't really talk about these because we hadn't previewed all the divisions. How about this? Dodgers minus 13 and a half wins over the Angels. Dodgers minus 13 and a half wins over the Angels. Mm-hmm. I would take the Dodgers there. You'd lay the 13. And I a half. would, yes. I think the Dodgers That's are going to win. That's an even money bet. I think the Dodgers are going to win about 104 games. And the Angels, that means they would have to win 91 games. I don't necessarily see that happening with their pitching. Mariners Tigers matchup. Mariners minus six and a half wins. Over the Tigers. Give me the Detroit Tigers because I think they're in a weak division. I think they're going to be a competitive team. You got to lay a little juice with that one. I'm all minus uh, 125. Yankees Astros. Astros minus a half game. Got to go Shros. Far, far easier division. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Astros Rangers in the, within the division. Astros minus 16 and a half games. Astros Rangers minus 16 and a half games. Oh, yes. Right, right, right. The Astros aren't even going to be able to see this team in their rearview mirror. How about Braves-Astros? Astros minus half a game. I uh, go with Astros. All right. But by the way, this guy's trying to middling it here. We got Astros minus a half, and we got Braves plus point six. One more. I think he's middling the half. I don't know how that's possible, but okay. One more here. Reds-A's. <laughs> Reds minus three and a half. Reds minus three and a half, and A's, what are they? Reds minus, minus three, three and a half, half over o- the A's. Over the A's. Uh, go with the Reds, but the A's are going to be really bad. Really, really bad. The only team that's going to be worse than them in the American League is Baltimore. Who's worse? Well, I think they are. Who's the worst team in the National League? The Pittsburgh Pirates. I think the Nationals might give them a run. Still got Juan Soto in the middle of that line. Let's do this tomorrow, Maul. Let's give all our baseball uh, preseason prop bets. I have one. I have one in the plays today. Okay, and Josh and- Towers will be with us tomorrow. Perfect. We Let's can t- go through all of them. He can poo-poo on them. 
<laughs> you have one today? Yeah, I have one today. All right, that's fine. I don't have. I sent that. To you. I sent that to you and Britain yesterday. Uh, I'll list all of them. Yeah, you sent. You sent that. Look at this bat. This is a. Yeah, I went about it. I, it you is, give an explanation for it yeah. later. I'll list my division winners, the over unders for the for the uh, teams, and then we can get our rookie of the year and all that. You might have a rookie of the year bet. I heard you and Wayne Krivsky been talking a little bit about yeah. the rookie of the year market, and then uh, what we love to bet. We love to bet the Cy Young. I, I don't know if I'll do any pre flop. Maybe I will. I like to do them about a month in. All right, get everything you need to bet on baseball this season with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Our all-digital Major League Baseball guide at vcin.com is available now, and Adam Burke has futures, team previews, and best bets for all 30 teams, plus Jason Weingarten's The Wide World of Weingarten and his 1700 future bets. Sign up today and get full access to vcin through the start of the baseball season, the Masters, and the NFL Draft for only $19 at vcin.com. Slash spring. Up next, it's Ian Eagle. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing in the breakfast legends. Oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a Simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely, choose Wendy's. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. We are efforting Ian Eagle here, dying to ask him about tonight's championship game. He, of course, called uh, the opening four rounds of the tournament. He was in Indianapolis as St. Peter's came through there, and then he got to go to Philadelphia uh, and the East region with Shaw, North Carolina over UCLA, St. Peter's over Purdue, and then the Tar Heels advancing on. And we're so happy that he could join us today. Good afternoon, Ian. Thanks for taking the time, sir. Hey, what's happening, guys? I want to ask you this question off the top before we get into tonight's matchup. I'll give you three scenarios. You tell me which event gets you the most pumped up. Would it be a Game 7 of the second round of the NBA playoffs, a divisional round of the NFL playoffs, or the regional final of the NCAA tournament? (laughs) Oh, man. That's... That's not fair. You're not. You're not being fair. We're we're friendly, and and you're just going right for the jugular. Don't don't make me choose. I'm okay. not going to choose. They're all, they're all. They're all. They're all. You love all your children the same. You got. To I can't see, do it. I I shan't. <laughs> you got to see North Carolina play twice in Philadelphia. You called the East Region. You got to see St. Peter's play play four times this year. Preview for us tonight: the matchup between Kansas and North Carolina. The Jayhawks laying four yeah. points in the final. I had Kansas earlier in the season at fog against Oklahoma. That's when they were still dealing with some speed bumps. They were still figuring some things out. McCormick at that point was in and out of the lineup and his role was, was still a bit of a gray area, but I walked away impressed. I knew how much talent they had. And certainly Obagi is a NBA player. Jalen Wilson is a two way standout and Christian Brown is much improved each year that he's been there. We've seen him add to his game. So very impressed with Kansas. 
saw North Carolina up close and personal, the win over UCLA. They gritted it out down the stretch, St. Peter's. They threw the first punch. Peacocks had no answers after that. And what really struck me about UNC guys is they've been living this underdog mentality for a while. They've won 11 of their last 12 games. So I know that when you think of North Carolina, you think of a team that has already achieved history, the most final fours in college basketball history. But the reality is this year's version of the team was not that well thought of. And in fact, they were a bubble team until they went on that run late in the season. They got that emotional victory at Duke and they've been riding this wave since that point, but they still are an eight seed. That's what the committee saw of them. They had a couple of blowout losses against big time competition, you know, 21 point loss to uh, Kentucky and uh, another substantial loss to Purdue. And I think it hurt their standing. They viewed themselves more as a five or six seed. North Carolina, great story, incredible run. These wins over Duke will never be taken from them. But uh, my sense is, is Kansas is not a great matchup for them. They've got size to deal with Baycott. Uh, they've got the pieces in place uh, to be a national champion. And that's my selection. I think the Jayhawks win the title. Love the pick there. I don't really have a question for you. This is more of a commentary. I don't kiss up to anybody, but I, and first of all, I love your term when a guy fouls out, he's reached the quota. That's a great original line. <laughs> I, I really enjoy that one every time. But I got to tell you personally, I need you and Spinarco calling the Final Four. I'm sick of Nance. This guy's about as exciting as a screen door on a submarine. I mean, come on. I can't take it anymore. The greatest coach to walk off the court. There was nobody happier in the world than w when the rat lost on Saturday night than me. I need your energy and enthusiasm. Do I need to call Sean McManus? Because I will. I've never been afraid to pick up the phone to call anybody. You and Spinarco bring an energy and a knowledge of the game. I was going off. I said, how can Nance call this game? Him, Raftery, and Grant Hill called three games. They called the Big Ten tournament. They come in and do this. I need Ian Eagle on this one. That's my rant. If you want to put Noah in there because he does a great job on Tennis Channel, I'm one of the six viewers there. Well, there might be five and a half viewers, six, depending on which tournament it is. But all I'm saying is I'm just tired of Nance. I want Ian Eagle in. I really appreciate that. Obviously, uh, Jim's been doing this forever. He's been doing it for 31 years. He's synonymous with this event, and uh, he's he's someone that uh, I look up to in the business and have for a long time. I truly appreciate what you're saying, and I do give everything I have in this event to show passion, to make sure that I'm doing right by these young people, because I know for most of them, this is the highest level they'll ever play at. This is the biggest stage they will ever have. This is certainly the biggest audience that will ever watch them play a basketball game. So I just want to make sure that when they hit the link 10 years from now or 15 years from now or with their grandkids 40 years from now, that they'll put the broadcast on and feel as if the person that was working the broadcast was prepared, was into it, and was energized. And, and that's always been my viewpoint with this event. I've actually done it a long time now, 24 years, and I still feel that surge of energy when they throw the ball up for the first game of the first round, the four games you're doing that day. And I remind myself how fortunate and lucky I am to be in that spot. Mike, him and Spinarco called that Sunday game between Richmond and Davidson like it was a Final Four game. It was a terrific game if you saw the finish there in the A-10 tournament. I love the enthusiasm. I'm done with my rant. Please go ahead with the real question. Davidson got lost in the sauce. <laughs> they absolutely did. 
I, you know, I, I couldn't believe I looked up this morning. Nance is only 62. I ain't going to be drawing retirement, Social Security, by the time Nance retires. It's, it's, it's a it's long like, road it's to like Jim Billis said, everybody gets a turn on the roller coaster. It's time for somebody else to take a ride. Yeah, John Shire. Uh, Ian, let's, go, let's turn our focus to the Nets. Uh, you're going to continue your work here before you get the summer off with, the, with this team. Are they going to pay the price for having to be in the play-in games here? They currently sit as a 10-seed possibly have to win two games just to get into the into yeah. the bracket here three game or four games left they host Houston stay in town to play the Knicks and then they host Cleveland and, and the Pacers have they put themselves in such a hole that it's asking too much now to run through the entire board in the east I think that they have put themselves in a hole that they don't have a choice in the matter now it's going to be seven eight nine or ten and the reality is they're still going to be just as dangerous. But as we all know, in a one-game format, you can get clipped. They could lose in the play-in round, or they could win an NBA championship. That's running the gamut. And I, I say that wholeheartedly. This team is certainly capable with the talent on their team. If they can get healthy, if Goran Dragic bounces back from health and safety protocols, if Ben Simmons uh, miraculously is available for them come playoff time, and they use him in, in the 10 to 12 minute role that James Johnson is currently in, they could go on a run. I wouldn't want to play him. If I was a one seed, two seed, I'd want no part of him. But you go against a Trey Young or a LaMelo ball in a one game format, you can lose. Either one of those guys could put the team on their back, could score 40, 45, and win a game and knock them out of the playing round. So. Uh, the the parameters are very wide right now for this team. They can't turn it on and turn it off. I think there was uh, a bit of a misconception that they would be able to do that. They can't. Uh, they're they're just not at that level. They're not consistent enough defensively. They don't bring it every single night. So the unpredictable nature of who they are is something that that anyone that has watched them all season is familiar with. I just think people presumed that ah oh, no they'll be fine. It'll be fine. And here we are. There's four games left. They're they're not fine by any stretch. They're still the second choice to come out of the East at plus three twenty. Bucks favored at plus two thirty five. The Celtics four to one. Sixers uh, plus four fifty. Where do you see value out of those three other teams? Uh, I think the Celtics are really dangerous and are feeling good about themselves. And if the combination of Tatum and Brown realize that they're as good as any other combo in the Eastern Conference right now, there's a realistic shot that they can go on a run. The problem is they've had some very heartbreaking defeats in their past, in their playoff past, and you just have no idea if, if that's going to rear its ugly head. I think the, the Duke-North Carolina game is, is the eternal reminder of that. Anyone that looked at that game prior probably thought, wait, Duke's got more talent. Uh, they they're ready for this revenge on their mind. And I felt like they were transported to some degree back to what happened at Cameron in the last five minutes of that game. In this particular case, it was really the last 90 seconds, two minutes of this game that they knew that North Carolina had this feeling that they could beat them because they've already done it. The muscle memory was there. So that would be my only concern with Boston right now. Ian, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, they're playing my song. Thank you. <laughs>
Always a great guest. He's awesome. I wonder if he's buying a home out here in Vegas and lobbying CBS to do all AFC West games this year. When we come back, the plays. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Golf season is here, and Bet River Sportsbook is your home for hundreds of golf betting options. Hit a hole in one this week with new specials on Bet River Sportsbook. All week long, place pre tournament wagers to win money towards free bets when your favorite golfer has a birdie, eagle, or better. Download the Bet River Sportsbook app or visit betrivers.com to take part in the biggest week of golf all year. Terms and conditions apply. Visit BetRivers.com for details. Wasn't quite as good as your Wendy's read, but, you know, oh, we I all went, try. I went full Barry White there. But That was awesome. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into the plays, recap the weekend, and then yeah. you got two plays for us today. Yeah, or one three. Of, two or three. One on one, Naomi Osaka probably had a breakdown uh, in the second set. Yeah, she got bageled by uh, Iga Shriatek. Lose that one in Miami in the uh, hard courts there. And then easy winner on Fresno State. Not even a sweat. They open up with a three-pointer going. I, the first thing I saw, they were up like 22 in the first half. when I, I, I forgot the game started at three, and I looked for a score. Thought it was a complete mismatch. They dominated that game. Easy winner there. Uh, Going to go with three plays here. Now, one's a long-term play. We'll get into that in a minute. But tonight, UNC, UNC Duke. I'm going to go with the over 152 since the game went over. But UNC Kansas over 152 here today. Um, and then uh, the other one that I like is Leaky Black, under six points here. If you look back through the statistically through the course of the season. He had a big three in that game against Duke. Yeah, I know that. And I got to give him a ton of credit for that. But if I'm KU, I play off of him. He's a 29% three-point shooter. Let him shoot all threes he, he wants. He hadn't hit a three since February. <laughs> That's exactly he, right. But he stepped up and he knocked it down. There's nobody for him to post up tonight no. either. Yeah, exactly right. Six and a half here going to go under. Uh, he's not an offensive threat. I feel like at times they play four and five offensively because of his inability. You know, you look at Manic Davis, uh, Love, and uh, Baycott, what they can do. So I'm going to go with Leaky Black under six and a half. And this is a long-term baseball bet here, Mike. No pitcher to throw 300 Ks this year. Uh, it's going to go. It's under minus 120. I love this play. I think it's going to be tough. I just don't think we're going to get the innings out of these pitchers. Who would you most feel threatened by? Three guys. Now, DeGrom's going to miss the, maybe a De- month. DeGrom's so take him out of the, Scherzer's yeah. out of the equation. Okay. Uh, Robbie Ray, Shane Bieber, mm. and Garrett Cole. I like that Bieber. Yeah. Because Bieber, Bieber will give you deep innings. He'll give you deep innings. Mm. But here's the other thing to keep mm. in mind. As a young pitcher, if this tribe team, uh, the Guardians, Jesus, <laughs> um, if they're out of it, I don't think he'll be necessarily eating innings down the stretch. You don't want a future stud for your team or current guy who's a big-time pitcher for you to be eating innings in that spot. You also mentioned on Friday that whoever won the semifinal, you liked over Rude in the final, and, and the Spaniard beat him Carlos easily. Alcaraz, yeah, yeah. yeah, he took care of business <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in that one. What uh, price did he go off at? Two, I think it was, $2? No, it was higher than that. Oh, it was, was it? around 275 yeah. or something. I don't remember exactly, but... Um, Alcaraz is a guy I already bet about two weeks ago to win the French Open at five and a half to one because Rafa's dealing with a fractured uh, hairline fracture in the rib. So I don't know how quickly he's going to be able to come back. I know he's going to want to come back. And then Novak, we're not sure if he's going to play. And as great as Novak is, can he just show up potentially at Roland Garros and deliver? That remains to be seen. But at five and a half to one, I'll give you an opportunity. This Alcaraz kid, I saw him play um, a couple years ago uh, in a tournament on a clay court. And I was, I was like, wow, this kid is going to be a beast. He kind of arrived a little bit sooner than I thought. Okay. Uh, do you still say that Osaka is the best hardcourt player in the world? 
But no, the best hardcore player in the world just retired a week ago. All right, but of who's left? I still think when she's completely in her game, look, she's won four majors, right? She's won at uh, the U.S. Open and won at the Australian Open twice. I mean, she's won on hard courts. She can deliver when the chips are down. Give Schwartzek credit. She's won 17 matches in a row, playing extremely well. But again, in tennis, like golf, it doesn't matter how many of these weekend tournaments you win, you got to deliver at the Grand Slam. Well, she win the French again. No, she's not. She's not a clay quarter. She's not going to win. Uh, Shviatek's got a great chance to win. Is that That's what I mean? Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Repeat as French Open champion. We she, all remember how the Red Sea parted for her last year. Yeah, and uh, I think she's got a great chance. When you look around, Simona Halep is not healthy, and that's a concern. What happened to that Sophia Kennan girl that she played in the final last year? Sophia Kennan right. has fallen off the map. <laughs> I mean, she's really struggling. Okay, go to my plays now. I'm going to take Kansas here. I'm not laying four. Uh, I'm going to take him on the money line, lay 190 tonight over Carolina. We talked about the reasons here. Their transition game, Carolina's lack of depth, the concerns about Baycott's ankle. I think Bill Self cuts down the nets and actually has a team that wins a title game, not giving it to him by Calipari. <laughs> I think this is a huge win for Bill Self and for Kansas and for his legacy here tonight. And Carolina will always take away what they did to the rat during this season. Uh, Flames, Kings, I bet a lot of money you know that on these first and second period under when they, played at the, when they played at the Saddle Dome on Thursday night. I'll take it again here at Staples tonight. And a plus number again on under one and a half in the first period. It's hard to score on Calgary. St. Louis played a great game. They got outshot like 50 to 21 and still won that game in Calgary the other night. They came back. I know you were playing the end game on the, on the first period under there. And then the second period only had the one, the one Blues goal. I'll take it tonight. Uh, plus 115. And then we have the Stars. They get six points out of the eight games in California. So not bad. They'll get to return home here. You know what the key is here in this wild card race in the West, and we're going to get into the to the the four games in the NHL tonight. You want to be the seven, the the, the first wild card, because the second wild card opens with Colorado and has to get in the central side of the draw. That second wild card, you get Calgary, but if you can win, then you get the two three winner out of the West, the Pacific. I'd rather be in that side of the draw or not. And it's still up for grabs in the Pacific. Nothing settled there in that division like it is in the Central. All right, Amal, let's get to tonight in the NHL. Let's start out. In Columbus, this is a rematch of the game that happened Saturday uh, in Boston. The Bruins are at the Blue Jackets tonight. Bruins, a heavy road favorite here. You're going to get Linus Allmark in that 21-9 and 2-2-6-5 goals against against Merzlikens, who played against uh, the Bruins in Saturday uh, on Saturday in Boston. Remember, Blue Jackets led 2-1 early in the second period of that game before the Bruins prevailed 5-2. Right now, the Bruins, the number one wild card, they would be set to take on Carolina in the first round of the playoffs. The Blue Jackets out of it 15 points back, just not enough time to make it up. Late 235 with the road team here tonight with the Bruins uh, with a total of 6.5. Pick them on that. Or a goal and a half with the Bruins here, uh, plus 105. Or you take $2 on the home Columbus side. Uh, I don't want to think the Jackets here, but I like uh, Columbus's chance is here without Swayman in net. Um, no way am I laying 235 with uh, Ulmark on the road. Columbus has lost six in a row. Yeah, but you know what? The other night, and we, we talked about this game, and I mentioned it on Friday, and I was mad I didn't put in the plays. The Ducks had lost an 11 in a row going into well, the Coyotes. Crushed the Coyotes. Crushed. I said, listen, you said gonna, you talked about 120. I said, they're going to mm-hmm. bounce back. This is a good spot for them. They win that game 5 nothing, an easy winner. Three goals in the first right 12, 10, 12 minutes. It was over. Um, Mike, you can't lay these prices. I mean, look at this Florida yesterday, up 4-1. They're in a 4-3 game. Buffalo had an opportunity. A couple of late penalties against the Sabres cost them an opportunity. The Devils blew a 6-2 lead in the third period to Florida on Saturday. 
I left my house. It was 6-4. I said, okay, they're going to be able to hold on here. I see the final score on the ticker here at Circa. 7-6 in overtime. How do you give up a four-spot in regulation? And they gave up three, like, within two and a half minutes yeah. to get back to 6-5. Ridiculous. Uh, believable. All right. Um, good game tonight in Tampa Bay. These two teams tied for second. And the Atlantic Division with 93 points. Maple Leafs at the Lightning at Amelie. Maple Leafs have won four in a row, and he'll have Jack Campbell in net tonight. Two six six goals against uh, the Lightning with Brian Elliott in net. Lost at home to Montreal uh, in overtime over the weekend. Vasilevsky will be back for them. 35 wins them all. 35-14 and 4-2-3-7. Cheap price tonight on the Lightning at home. $1.35, total 6.5. You know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't look at this one on mm. the overnights, and I, I would take this one at 135. Coming I off get, a loss. Yeah. By the way, I, I was getting ready to say Toronto is my version of the Phoenix Suns, but then I realized the Florida Panthers still exist. So uh, I, I will say Toronto's probably the Memphis Grizzlies of the playoffs for me when it comes to this Maple Leafs team. I don't see them going on the road winning this one. When do you get the lead, excuse me, uh, the Lightning at this cheap of a price? I like uh, Tampa at home minus 135. Coops guys get it done. Game has significance in that these two teams likely meet in the first round of the playoffs, and this might determine home ice for that yeah. series. Uh, the Blues come off that long Western string home tonight to, to tackle the Coyotes. This would be a huge price here. Um, Prozvalov gets the start tonight for the Coyotes. He's been relieving Ovechkin as he gets shelled in all these games. Two starts for Prozvalov, 0-1-1 with a 3-8-4. Vile Husso won that game in Calgary the other night. He'll get the start in net tonight for the Blues. 19-6-5, and 2-5-4 uh, goals against. you got to lay 425. Now, this was 380 earlier this morning when I looked at it. 425 with the Blues, a minus-minus, as you say, Amal, minus a goal and a half, minus 170, a total ticking up to 6.5. Let's just move on from this game. 425, come on. Okay, Flames at Kings, the game I mentioned earlier. Markstrom against Quick. Markstrom 219, Quick 266. The Flames that game I talked about betting the unders. The Kings won that game in overtime at the Saddledome. Flames have lost three in a row. They have 89 points. They're at first in the Pacific. Kings right back of them at 86, and the Edmonton right behind them. I think Edmonton's won five in a row as well. $1.75 road favorite with the Flames. You can get plus 150 on the puck line with a total of six. I think Calgary wins the game because they end the streak, but I don't like this price of 175. I thought this thing was going to be around 135 50? or 140. Mm. On the road, by the way, Peterson's expected to play not quick. I have quick as uh, likely. You got Peter, Peterson? Uh, I got Peterson here. Peterson's, been, goals Peterson's been clearly the number one here the last few weeks. For he them. really has. And look, I like Markstrom a lot. I like Calgary. But Mike, I tell you what, 175 is a big number on the road. You mentioned it. Kings have won two in a row, but overall, just three points behind Calgary here. I think this is a ridiculous price. Carolina, Kansas, two programs locked in tradition. Dean Smith played for Fog Allen's national championship team in 1952. Fog Allen learned the game from James Naismith. Roy Williams goes to Kansas, comes back to Carolina. Should be a terrific game tonight. Tune in tomorrow. We'll have Josh Towers. Stay tuned for Betting Across America. 